welcome to Shooting the Shit. It's the first one of 2022. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year to you too, Rachel. Yeah, lots of exciting things coming in 2022, aren't there? Apparently. Yeah, yeah we, we said this. Do you remember in the beginning of 2021 where everyone was like, well, it can't possibly be any worse than 2022. And you're like, shh, just shh, don't say it. Hannah Weinold's here. Hello, Hannah Weinold. Sorry, I'm late. If I'm being totally honest, I forgot what time it was. <gasps> so rude. So very rude. No, I um, anyway, I was doing it. I, I, no. I lost track of time. That's a much more, yeah, that's a, that's a better way of saying it, isn't it? Um, well, first of all, uh, Joe, what's your name and where'd you come from? Well, my name's Joe, funny enough. And uh, yeah, originally from Leicester, based in Surrey these days. <laughs> And can we just all take a moment to revel in the glory that is Joe's hair, please? It's <gasps> so beautiful. It's, it's like so luminous. shiny. It's got its yeah. own light source. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's oh, absolutely great. beautiful. Yes, and we're all in awe. Um, Hannah, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Uh, I'm Hannah, and I am in Sheffield. I am a co-founder of Shooting the Shit, director of Grow Traffic, director of Traffic Wonk, Lots of other bits. I don't know. Mm. And my hair is not luminous. It's I know. Are, are you wishing now when we look like looking at Joe, wishing that we'd made slightly more of an effort here? Yeah, I've got my, I've got my multiple layers on. I've no makeup. Yeah. <laughs> is it oh, freezing? Wow. It is so cold. It's so yeah. cold today. Yeah, oh, marvellous. And I'm Rachel Weinhold, also of Shooting the Shit fame and Grow Traffic fame and uh, Rabbit fame and lots of other things besides. Um, anyone got an exciting thing that's happened to them this week? Bearing in mind, we're kind of, I think, are we most of us on first full week back at work? Anything exciting happened this week, last week? My exciting thing is, so my it is my first day back in, I had last week off technically mm. but it's my first full week of being in my new full-time job so that's pretty exciting <gasps> amazing amazing and do have you met everybody do you feel like you're gonna love it are you excited i am very excited covid is obviously not helping with the meeting people so um a lot of zoom meets some people i haven't met in real life yet but no it's all good um and yeah i'm, I'm excited at the prospect of see you know of a bit more normality, maybe going into an office, being around people mm. and being yeah. around a few more people when it feels safe. So yeah, it is perfect. Well, in that case, you are our you are a kind of perfect person to be having this conversation with because today we are talking about women and the world of work and what might 2022 have in store. So um I was just saying to Joe before we came on. I was reading a report by the United Nations last week, which said that the COVID pandemic has set back women's equality by about 10 years, they reckon. And the reason for that is because women are the ones who have been bearing the brunt of the COVID pandemic. They've been bearing the brunt of the caring responsibilities. So at one end, we've had children who are off school, isolating, bubbles of burst, homeschooling. At the other end, we've got um, elderly parents or other relatives who 
you know, have got COVID or long COVID or whatever, they, they've needed additional care and responsibilities. And what gives in that situation for, for most women is work because you cannot do everything and you cannot be firefighting on every single front and something's got to give. And usually it's the woman that then will either go down to a part-time role or she won't take that um, promotion that she was going to go for or she won't go that further step in her studies or whatever. Um, and they just hold back. And, and what's happening is that they're, they're saying that fewer women, therefore, are going to end up in managerial roles. Fewer women are going to be heading up C uh, businesses and ended up in those CEO roles. And we've we've essentially taken a massive step back in women's equality. Yes, Hannah Weinhold. I think two points as well I want to make on that is statistically, as far as we know so far, it's women and women from black and minority ethnicities who are most likely to suffer the effects of long COVID and are yeah. most likely to have... Um, most likely to die from COVID, although mm -hmm. no, women aren't most likely to die from COVID. Women in Spain are most are yeah. more likely to die from COVID than men who, because men are more likely to die from COVID overall. But statistically, because, you know, they are most, they are the ones who are statistically most likely to be living in poverty, to have yeah, poor access exactly. to education, better diet, you know, better uh, health care facilities, all the rest of it. So, yes, they are the ones who are not getting to hospital as quickly, perhaps yeah. not able to have their um, their vaccinations. I mean, just really basically. Oh, I'm even just, like, just, sorry, sorry. Even like they don't have the the kind of overall general health and well-being to enable them to fight. They don't have a strong immune systems because they live yeah. in, um, you know, in inadequate housing. They don't have access to exercise privileges and time to exercise and gyms and they can't buy, you know, fancy food all the time. They're eating poorer diets and they're less yep. likely to be believed when they do go to the doctors and stuff. So there's loads of it. Absolutely. And I was it. listening to a podcast the other day that was saying that, um, you know, Boris was saying over the uh, Christmas, um, the, the betwixtmas week, you know, go and get jabbed. Walking centres are open. Go and get your booster jab. And actually, that's fine if you are, you know, a, a middle class person or if you're in a managerial or you're a business owner or whatever, you can go and spend three hours stood in a queue waiting to get your COVID jab at a walking centre. But actually, if you're a cleaner, or, you know, if you're in a low paid job or if you've got a caring responsibility, it's very unlikely that you've got the ability to go and just wait for three hours mm. at a COVID walking centre, in which case they're not then getting their jabs. You Know. So there's a massive kind of um, privilege, an underlying hidden sort of privilege to this whole pandemic thing that we're just not seeing and women are bearing the brunt of it. Hannah, go on. Point two was, uh, yes. <laughs> was, uh, was that a lot of the jobs that, that traditionally see women go into have really suffered, like hospitality. Yeah. Um, so hospitality at that kind of lower level you know, barmaids and, and receptionists and waiters and stuff like that, they've seen huge reductions in the amount of staff that they need, huge redundancies. And it is typically women, especially young women, that take those roles. And when when things close down, retail, you know, um, hotels, and when people lock the doors and stop inviting people in like cleaners, then it is women that are really suffering those low level, uh, sorry, not really suffering from redundancy mm -hmm. from those lower level positions. 
Absolutely. I mean, when we had when the first lockdown happened, you know, the first thing everybody did was cancel the cleaner. Well, you know, that's they rely on that. When Weatherspoon said that they were putting everybody on furlough, but they weren't going to pay them for furlough, go and work at Tesco. You know, it's absolutely it's those it's those supposedly low skilled, which is a bloody insult in itself, isn't it? But it's those you know lower level zero hours contracts, all the rest of it, and 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 women are in the brunt of that. So let's and before women, we just sorry, I mean, we, just to say as yeah, well. Even if you think about people who are very, very vulnerable or, sorry, very uh, susceptible to catching it, who are kind of frontline, yes, hospital workers um, and, and NHS staff and stuff, of course, but also teachers and nursery nurses who uh, yeah. you know, are in front of lots of children every day and are very likely to catch it and are therefore more likely to need to isolate, thus losing salaries, and they are predominantly women. Well, also, I mean, I was saying before, I'm, I, I am a seroptimist. There we go. First seroptimist klaxon of the year. Um, and I'm on the PR and marketing committee. And we were talking about International Women's Day, obviously coming up in March. How is the seroptimist going to market? And one of the things we've said that we really want to do is tell those ordinary stories of normal seroptimists, normal in inverted commas, seroptimists who have borne the brunt of the pandemic. And yet immediately our minds went to, you know, frontline NHS staff, the nurses, the doctors, the people, who, the doctors, receptionists, those people who are on the front line, but actually the people that kept the country going when we were really in, in the, the deepest depths of lockdown were the people working at the, at the one stop and the petrol station and the supermarket down the road. Mm. Um, so again, you know, and they are absolutely on the front line because everybody's going in, you know, with or without COVID, with or without masks on, you know, and, and they're the ones and they're, they're getting paid absolute nominal wages. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, it's crackers, isn't it? So, I mean, so Joe, let's bring it back to the, let's just bring it back to the personal for a minute. Um, how, how has the pandemic impacted your work, Joe? And I know you've already said you're, you're changing jobs. How do you think it will impact your coming job? My coming, yeah, the job I'm going into, well, mm -hmm. I mean, listening to all that is a good reminder of how incredibly privileged I am and I have a, maybe I've got the right colour skin, maybe, and yeah. looking not to have, you know, well, a first generation to go to university and all of that. So how do I, the pandemic is going to be affecting my work in that sort of people contact sort of part that I was saying. And mm -hmm. it does make me wonder how quickly I'm going to be able to build all those relationships, get my voice heard um, amongst people who don't know me. And I'm just. Does um, that make you nervous? It doesn't make me nervous. It makes me feel like I might be missing out on things. I mean, I have FOMO at the best of times. Um, but yeah, it does, it does make me think maybe I'm at a disadvantage starting out in my job that I wouldn't mm. have been if we're having those, you know, cool, you know, water cooler moments with, with mm. people in the office. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting to integrate into groups. And I'm, so I'm potentially missing out on opportunities that would further the business i'm not just talking about personal opportunities and myself and climbing up the ladder um but yeah you know i mean 
it's like saying my diamond shoes are too tight though that's not a terrible thing well <laughs> no I mean it, I, I know what you're saying I know what you're saying and yeah we do have to say you know we are highly highly privileged and we've accepted that on every episode we've done but you know that that actually will impact well I mean I don't know whether you're going into a managerial role or not but that that whole thing of going into a new business starting a new job and being able to make relationships you know form relationships with people that's fundamental to whether or not you succeed in your job you know as a woman going into a role you've got to be able to make friends with people bring them on side you know get bring them into your vision of where you want to take that job and then take them along with you and if you can't practically speaking meet up with people go for a coffee you know take donuts in all of those little things that that contribute towards a workplace culture that really is gonna you know impact your ability to to do your job effectively isn't it and then how will impact how uh, likely you are to succeed um and so yeah it's all very well saying oh aren't we incredibly privileged but actually the the implications are real aren't they mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think like privilege like i i am obviously incredibly privileged and the pandemic we like rachel and i were we were thankfully able to furlough everybody except Rachel and I and we kept the business going for it was a good five or six months and yes that was an intensely privileged position to be in that I could still work I could still get away but it was so stressful it was so busy and I was like pregnant and getting fatter by the day and and you know it did have a massive impact on my mental health so whilst and like Rach I know you felt the same and I still feel like I'm recovering from from that impact so yes whilst uh, I didn't have it bad I still had it like everybody still had it and I think we do sometimes minimize what happens to us or you know our own experiences because it's not as bad as the person down the road and whilst it's important to be so grateful for what we do have and the and what we have achieved um and the the um advantages that were afforded you know i also think maybe let's not minimize our achievements and our hardships as well too much well i do think so when when we went into that very first lockdown so thinking back to march 2020 wasn't it um and i was practicing gratitude for want of a a better way to put it you know I was every day I was saying okay I can't control the situation around me what can I control and what am I grateful for I'm grateful that I've got my house and I've got my family and I've got my horses and I can go outside and I can you know so every single day I had this mantra of these are the things I can do and these are the things I have got and, and I'm okay and I'm okay and I think whilst that absolutely did what it was intended to do and got me through that period I didn't realize until much later how anxious I actually was until I was listening I think I've said this before I was listening back to a podcast that played a a clip from that time and I felt all of this anxiety I was in the stable and all of a sudden I started crying and I was like oh my god and I didn't realize how anxious I felt about it and even when we were watching the when the um 
Downing Street briefings came back on just before Christmas. I was watching one of those and I was almost in tears because that anxiety, I don't think I had acknowledged it. And so, yeah, when we're talking about, you know, how is all of this going to impact women in the coming year? I think we've got a massive mental health crisis that, that a lot of women haven't yet acknowledged is coming because we've just been so head down, get through it, do what we need to do. And, you know, I'm not taking away from men. Obviously, men are having a mental health crisis mm -hmm. as well. But, you know, this is a podcast about women. I don't know. Joe, do you do you see that? Do you see that in, in your family, friends, colleagues, anything? Or do you feel it yourself? Well, the, the impact of the of mental health. Women. Yeah, the, the, mental, the, yeah the, I think it's become it's so hard to re it almost takes, like you say, to go back to that time in March 2020, remember actually how frightening it was because, mm. um, you know, because we've, we've just had another year of it. it I sometimes looked through rose-tinted glasses and there was a lot about, I mean, I was in a very different situation back in 2020 and there was some things about the pandemic and the quieting down of life and being stuck oh. at home with my husband was actually really beneficial for my mental health at that point. Um, so there's, you know, that's a, a different thing altogether, but I think, yeah, but then you forget the frightening. You, I forget, you forget that moment. I just stood in the kitchen and burst into tears going, we need to stop your parents going to get the papers because they're going to get COVID from the news agents. Yeah. You know, having breakdowns over little, you know, things like yeah. that. You sort of forget those moments, but we've, it's become it's become normalized that like you say, I don't think we've dealt with the trauma of what has mm. happened really. Yeah. And I mean, during the, the pandemic, I was in a different position. I had already gone through redundancy. I was trying to come out of the pain of that and launch my own business, but it allowed me to, I then went out into the community and volunteered. Yeah. Um, but I almost can't go to my, I can't go to my local Tesco's because that is almost like PTSD to me because mm. those early days of queuing up, wearing your mask and your gloves, not knowing what can keep you safe, trying to be responsible for vulnerable people on top of it all. I mean, like, it's just, it just brings that horrible, horrible yeah. memory. Yeah. And and I think that's perfectly normal. I, I can remember, uh, you know, the anxiety of the postman bringing to live when the Ocado man used to bring the shopping every week. And like, we, I would be saying to Leon, like, don't touch it, don't touch it. You know, let's wash everything. Let's wipe it down and disinfect it. And you absolutely, you forget kind of how anxiety ridden that was just because we had to get through it. And yeah, I'm not denying there were things about lockdown that I really enjoyed. I, you know, I quite yeah. like that and, and that we had some lovely evenings it was gorgeous weather we sat out in the garden nobody could come round so we had a great time but but yeah there was all that anxiety goes with it and and I do think if we're thinking, you know, bringing this back to how is this going to impact the world of work going forwards, you know, as, as employers and employees, I think it's it's going to be crucial that, you know, mental health is, is put front and centre in, in this coming year because on top of um, absences from uh, COVID and, and isolation and all the other uh, germs that are going around at the moment. I think there's going to be a lot of absences through through mental health issues, and and the, the NHS at the moment isn't there to deal with it, is it, Hannah? I think though that that like you were saying about the nice things about lockdown, like yes, lockdown for everybody was awful, and for some it was worse than others, and. 
our lockdown was you know, we were trying to have an extension built and I was pregnant and the business and you know all the rest of it and all the anxiety about the impact COVID has on a fetus and things like that but there were like you say some dead nice things about it we all just kind of slowed down and enjoyed our time together uh, as a family and enjoyed our home and our garden and things like that and I think I think a lot of people have reevaluated the place that work has in their life now and the mm -hmm. importance of relaxing and spending some time just cleaning out your wardrobe or, you know, pottering about your house or just sitting in the garden for a bit or whatever. I think, I think, um, you know, we've not, or the people that I speak to at work and at home, so, you know, Dave, and um, with <laughs> the one person at home, <laughs> I think people are establishing that life doesn't have to be ten to dozen all the time. Like we will just live in life at full tilt, and I think we've slowed down, and I think that's reflected in how people want their work-life balance to be. And we've just done a round of recruitment and grow traffic, and what what came out very strongly was people wanted a good work-life balance and. This you know, we've always done flexible working, but flexible working is now becoming the norm and is now becoming expected. And it does give you a better quality of life that you can just pop a load of laundry on whilst you're, you know, waiting for the kettle to boil instead of having to stand there, you know, not being at work yeah. whilst you wait for the kettle to boil. So I think or that spending your whole Sunday doing every single job because it's the yeah. only day you've got to do it. Yeah. So I think I, that will change the world of work that now mm. we're more accepting of home life mm, Joe. yeah i mean i think in that way though and that's why it's interesting and again it might come down to the type of job and and with it comes the privilege you know that it has the pandemic set back women's inequality by 10 years well for, for some pockets of women i would say it's improved it because it's suddenly when everyone was thrust into having to juggle the kids and their full-time job um you know the dads and the mums then there's more understanding around it and there is something to be said that you know when suddenly the the, the men perhaps was equal you know having to deal with it as well everyone was in the same boat it's sort of it's like yeah it's really hard to jug it all so you know what it's all right if you finish at three and then hop back on later so there perhaps in some industries and in some workplaces it's going to improve that because it's sh shone a light on how difficult it is to juggle home mm. and work well, yeah, I mean, I was reading a, an article, I've done a lot of reading of articles recently, uh, but that was talking about the, 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 the current model of work that we have, the nine to five, 37.5 hour working week, all the rest of it. it. It was designed for men and they could do it because they had a woman at home who was doing the childcare and the cooking and the cleaning. So this this myth that women have had, and we've talked about it before on this podcast, but of, of you know, women can have it all. The reason why we're so struggling to have it all is because that working model wasn't designed for women to do the childcare and the home, you know, unless we had, we in turn had a nanny or whatever at home do it, picking up the rest. So that absolutely has been highlighted. And, and, and I think you're right, Joe, men for the first time have, have seen, or a lot of men for the first time, sorry, have seen the pressures and, and stepped up. What worries me is that we've now, we're now in a situation where the workforce, the employees have realized we need better work-life balance, blah, blah, blah. The good companies um, are responding yeah. to that and putting in place flexible working and all the rest of it. Um, 
how how do we get the less good companies to follow suit and to be convinced? I was reading an article by a, a friend. Yeah, written by um, a friend of ours. She's in the she's in the group. She's got Natalie Lewis of Dynamic HR, and she was talking about she she published it. Uh, I'll put it in the links. Um, but she wrote it at the weekend about um, how a lot of managers haven't yet caught up with this model of working, and they're still trying to manage people as though they were in the office. So they're still very task orientated rather than overall goal orientated. How? Do we enable that that workforce that want change to facilitate change in employers that are stuck in their ways? Who's got the answer to that one? Article, it was a very it was a very good article. I read it, and I yes. have to say, going back into the work, so I am a senior manager, so I do have a team, and I'm managing people, mm -hmm. and it is it is different. It is different, yeah. um, and you know, doing it remotely, and then how do you? How do you motivate people but also how do you help measure their progress it is it yeah. is different um but i'm also finding that interesting push pull of how then you know i, I want i don't want to ever be back in a situation around five days a week in an office right yeah but also yeah. i think there should be a balance and it's finding that balance that works for lots of different individuals now Whereas previously mm -hmm. it felt like, well, there's one clear rule. It's it's, it's quite yeah. a lot of nuances to manage. And layering on top of Are that. Are you right? I was just going to say about the mental health implications as well. Yeah. The, the, there's the tail end, you know, the, the not, another long COVID is going to be that impact of, well, maybe I'll never feel okay traveling mm -hmm. into London again yes. and working in a busy office. Maybe that's that, you know, I'm maybe a lot of people feel like that what does that mean for their job long term mm. so there's a lot of things to balance as, as managers it's a really good point that actually that that once upon a time there was one model of work and you fit into it and now we've got as many models of work as there are people and as mm -hmm. as employers and as managers you know how do we manage that and how do we walk that really fine line between people feeling supported and people feeling micromanaged it's really hard in fact we, we've got this at the moment, Hannah, haven't we? Because we need to account for our staff in the morning to make sure everybody's safe from a safeguarding point of view because we're all working remotely. So on the one hand, we've got to make sure everybody is safe and alive. But on the other hand, you know, people feel like they're being checked in on when we're like, are you alive? Are you alive? Tell us you're alive quick or we're going to start panicking. So it's finding that balance. And, and that is different from just from the responses we had in the WhatsApp chat this morning, Hannah. That's different for each member of staff, isn't it? Which then makes it really hard as a manager to find the level appropriate for each person. I do think, though, there comes a time when you have to, as an employer, do what's right for the company as well. So, you know, in order, you, you, you can adapt as much as possible to people. And obviously, if they've got uh, a protected characteristic and they need adaptations, that's fine. But it also has to be fair to everybody. You can't be giving one, you know, you can't you can't adopt absolutely everybody's women and fantasy. Otherwise you end up it's chaos. So there does have yeah. to be a structure that everybody can kind of compromise with and live on. So like live with. So there is a there is an element of that. But also going back to your point, Rach, about how like the, the good businesses will do it, how do the how do you make sure the other businesses catch up? And 
it trickles down. They'll not be able to hire if all the good businesses are offering flexible, you know, all the kind of top businesses are offering flexible working. They'll get the pick of the the cream of the crop with the candidates, and mm. it will force the hand of the of everybody else because that's the only way that you'll keep your staff force skilled yeah. and engaged. People, you'll have too high a turnover. Yeah, people. I mean, absolutely. Employee employees will vote with their feet these days, yeah. won't they? And, and that's it. They'll go. Um, so I, I'm conscious that time is marching no, on. Mate, I want to say something. Um, okay, go on. I was reading an article about okay, the four good. day week. Well, actually, I was listening to a podcast about the four day week. How do you guys or do you see the four day week coming in in the next year? I I don't think it'll be in in the next year, but I genuinely do think it, it would be a good thing because I, I feel we are, we are approaching that stage in our society where it, it, why why do we still need that five day uh, working Nine to week? Five. Yeah, yeah, it, it's well, just, we've proven it's just not there. Well, but, I mean, this is the thing. All the all the all the tests that have been done show that actually productivity doesn't drop. And in fact, um, I can't remember which which European country it was that introduced this. Productivity rose because people well, were. There's several studies actually, Rachel. So the main one in Iceland, they introduced the four day working week, kind of in total, and um, productivity pretty much stayed the same. But people said that they were happier although they were cramming more work into into like their days were longer so they were still doing the same amount of hours the same amount of work yeah but they had an extra day off and and when yeah. you actually broke down the hours they were all in like on average they were working one less hour a week but said that they were happier because they had more free time so i guess if people want to cram in extra hours then fine but you can't do that in every job you can't do that in nursing you know in healthcare where the days no. are already 12 hours and they do you know four on four off you can't do it in retail or where you know shift work and stuff where people need covering all the time and I think technology has to be embraced to enable people to work four days a week and um it, it requires additional staffing in a lot of places or the sort of job where you can do, you know, like like we can do. We could easily do a four-day week. You could easily cram all your work into one, into four days. You could do it in one day if you wanted the worst day you've ever had in your life and then have six yeah. days off in a week. So, um, Joe, would it work in your, in your industry, do you think, publishing? Yeah, I do. And I think there is modelling where there is a number of people that are four days a week and it's something that I aspire to get to, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I think that idea of working those extra hours, I mean, in some ways I've just done that. So I've just built up to full-time hours to because of my, my own, own business. And my biggest anxiety over taking this job was like, oh, now I'm five days a week. I'm five. You know, that feels like quite... Last night I had a bit of meltdown about it because I felt like I was giving away all my freedom. Whereas four days a week just feels just a little bit more. I've got a little bit more time for me, um, so it'll be interesting to to how it see how it goes. But yeah, I do see it in in publishing that there are people who are four days a week, and mm. yeah, 
I'm going to work towards I, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it has to be. And it comes back to that, that kind of more flexibility, which leads us on nicely to our sort of closing discussion. So um, I, I, I was Googling um, and I found a, a wish list of five things that, um, I, I will, again, I'll put a link to this article if I can remember who the hell wrote it or which uh, magazine it was in. But it was five things that they, uh, feminists would wish for the workplace in 2022. So Can number one. Can we oh yeah, go them? on then. Go on, get it. Yeah. So there's five things. What do you think they are? Uh, equal Shout pay. them out. Equal pay is one. Well, equal pay and equal opportunities. So yes, ding, ding, ding. That's one of them. Um, it's got to be the flexible working that we've just been talking yeah. about. Yeah. Flexible working and um, uh, flexibility in terms of hours and, and working location and all the rest of it. So, yes, work, flexible working. Ding, ding, ding. So three uh, more to go. Better paternity leave, paternity pay, something about paternity. No, there actually wasn't anything about paternity, no. Yeah. Tampons in um, lose? No, yeah. but these are good oh. ones. These are good ones. So, so paternity and maternity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, free um, such so so gin at lunch gin <laughs> so one of them we have talked about already it's about making sure your brain is all right or oh, mental, oh, health. mental health yeah yeah there we go ding 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 so better mental health support and understanding for mental health issues uh, so two more what do we think what do we think one of them one of them is about um understanding different types of women Oh, oh like gender, okay. Like policies. Yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Better, better uh, policies and understanding for intersectional feminism. So uh, you know, making sure we've thought about trans rights and all the rest of it. So yeah, ding, ding, ding. And the last one is a hashtag. It's the hashtag. Close, close. The one that was about Caroline Flack. Be kind. Be kind. Yes, there we go. Ding, ding, ding. You've got them all. Yeah, be kind. So just better kind of people being nicer to each other um, and understanding and listening and all the rest of it, which is a little bit wishy-washy, but actually, you know, that is what the workplace needs, isn't it? Well, I, yeah. don't think, like, I don't think that should just be a feminist thing. I think that should be a human thing. Human thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's human. Yeah, it is a human thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there yes. we go. Um, now, but we have finished talking about that. Rish wanted us. Rish is not here, but she sent us instructions, didn't she, that we must talk about Molly Bay, which actually I think comes under that be kind one that we've just talked about. So somebody fill us in on Molly May. What happened? Who Molly, is she, Hannah? Molly she May, say? she went on Love Island. So she's a Love Islander. She goes out with a boxer, Tommy Fury. Tommy, Timmy? Tommy Fury. Uh, yeah, Tom Fury, and she is the creative director of Pretty Little Thing, and she earns a fuckload of money. Yeah. Um, influencer. And she, she was an influencer before an influencer. she went into Love Island. She already had yeah. a platform. That's right. Yeah, and she's yeah. very young. She's like in her twenties, and she said, "Everybody has the same amount of hours in a day." So Beyonce is the same amount of hours as everyone else. Ergo, yeah, you're not working hard enough if you're not achieving your goals and there's been a phenomenal backlash against her saying that's totally not taken into account 
her privilege and and you know the fact that some people don't have the ability to work lots of hours to achieve mm. their goals and if you've not achieved what you want then you're not just lazy so well, I mean, this said. is not her saying, is it? That everybody, you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. That's That's been a thing for years. She hasn't made this up. Yeah, but so Christ, why is Rachel, like, like, kill all Jews is not my saying, but I'm not going around bloody saying it because I know it's not <laughs> right. Just because it's not her saying, it still came out of her mouth. It did. <laughs> I don't know the full context. And it's back to how we were talking just at the beginning. It's like, there are people who are in shitter situations than us. And when mm. you talk out, you try and be in as inclusive as your of your audience as you can, but you never know who's going to be listening or, or whatever. So I must admit, I haven't got the full context of the Molly May thing because I saw a bit of the backlash and I was like, oh, for God's sake, you know, she's just repeating some motivational speak. And you know what? I coach writers and I'm very, you know, one-to-one. -one, and I too will say, you know, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Some of them we can't control. And there are the ones that we can. So it's it, the ones you can, it's down to that, how you want to use it. I'm not saying, and then you've got to, you have to do yeah. these things. It's, it's, I just thought it was an almighty backlash over. But again, then, yeah. Jill, I think yeah, that's but I, I feel, so you're I feel saying, that. like you're saying to people who have come to you asking for help. Yeah. And asking need for help of time management and, and goal setting. Yes. Yeah. And so that's so, like super appropriate. And this, this, mm. she said it on a podcast about a day in the life. She was of on a podcast. CEO. So, yeah. you know, maybe therefore it's motivating to try and get you know, I am a CEO or I want to be a CEO or whatever. Um, but it is it is a bit tone deaf that, you know, if you're, it was just a blanket statement, like, you know, you, there's, there's not, everybody has the same opportunity. Well, actually they don't. And I think when a lot of people are struggling a great deal to make ends meet, one in five in Britain are living in poverty um, you know, people are really struggling. The cost of living has gone up massively. People are working two jobs and still needing to use food banks. It's, you know, it is, it's tough out there. And I and get all of that. Can I just, can that, I just ask though, do you think she would have got, would have got the same backlash if it had been Tommy Fury had said that? This is interesting. If a man had, well, said, it. A man had said it. For a while, but I, then see, I, I yeah. because sports people, not even just a man, a sports person. Sports people come out with bollocks like that all the time, don't they? Oh, this you know, is what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we got cross every time a, a, a social media influencer said something that was a bit tone deaf, I mean, look at all the hashtag boss babe and girl bosses and mumtrepreneur bollocks that goes on on social media. And they just churn this motivational fodder Shame. out and it's absolute crap and and i just think you know she's just parroting all of this stuff that she'll it'll be all over her instagram it'll be all over a tiktok this is all she sees and she's she went on a a podcast about entrepreneurs and came out with some insta entrepreneurial bollocks and i, I don't well, see how we get you know to me there's more important things in the world and i do think it's a little bit catty that is a bit patronising, though. Yeah. That does remove her agency just to say, oh, she'll have seen it on Instagram. But it's really interesting, like, Boris says shit like this all the time and no one gets up in arms about Boris. 
and like you know he's the bloody leader she's mm -hmm. just done last with an instagram account and a fat ass i assume so like that's awful what an awful non-feminist <laughs> thing to say i do think that the, the backlash is because yeah you do look and go if you could you know underneath privilege let's see an incredibly you know from the outside does does very little to earn her money and says all these things and whatever and i'm like i can't get upset about it because i don't aspire to what she has or what she does so i don't take i'm just like whatever and you know what good on you i actually think well more for people who want to pay I'm her you think what she does is shit well she's making a shit ton of money and good on her sorry I don't know and to be fair she actually well, she really actually has a job. She's yeah. the creative director of, of um, Pretty Little Things. And whether or not that's a made up, you know, uh, sort of bestowed title upon her or not, she is being paid to do a job. And actually, that's a lot more than a lot of other influencers who are just being paid to make YouTube videos and, and hold up products. So at least she is, you know, she's she's working for that money since she? she's done stuff for it whether or not we agree with what she's done or her choices someone's in life. choosing to pay her for it like who's the yeah. point in all of this if you think what she does is terrible I, I, I yeah I just thought I'm so tired of these types of backlashes when there's plenty of other terrible things being said and done that don't mm. get airtime and so, it's all it is always the women that get the backlash. Yeah, it's it always the women. I mean, she is a bit of an easy target, isn't she? Because she's yeah. young and attractive and, and out yeah. there and outspoken and female. She does seem to be an easy target. Whereas bloody Jokovic, she's pretty and she's blonde. In, yeah. Like Jokovic has been in the news a lot today, and he said some really vile things about women uh, in mm -hmm. sport. And he, you know, still everyone loves him, and he still gets allowed into Australia to play his massive tournament and all that. So, oh, yeah. oh isn't that nice? Lucky him. Yeah, yeah. No one's really tearing him down. Nothing's going to affect him. He's going to be fine. So, yeah. yeah. If we're going to do a, if we if we're judging jury, which we are, because we're uh, really important women. Um, are we saying Molly May not guilty? I I think not guilty. I think she's yeah, she's probably not thought about it. But if if everybody got crucified for things that come out of the mouth before thinking, I would be bloody hung, drawn, and quartered a million times over. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Someone on Facebook who I can't see says, keep your bloody head still, Rachel. I know, I know. Apologies. My Wi-Fi's shit and I move too much and I jingle jangle. <laughs> there we go. And on that note, that is it. So we fixed the world of work for 2022. Lots of things to work out. We've got five points. I think for us as, as managers and as business owners, you know, we've just got to continue working really hard this year to, to make sure, particularly our women, but actually all of our staff are, are all right. Because I, I I think there's a there's a, a little bit of a crisis coming over the hill that we haven't yet thought about. Um, and we all need to keep our eye on it. So there we go. Lots of cheery thoughts. Joe, final thought from you this week. Oh, just be kind. Just yes. on that. Just be nice. No more, no more nasty things saying about big asses, Hannah. Just tell yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I apologise. It was a, it was a nasty remark. I, I like that. Be kind. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Three be kinds. Let's practice. Watch one big arse. Girls. <gasps> we'll leave you to decide which one of us has the big arse. We shall be back in two weeks' time. Thank you very much, everybody. Start waving. Bye. Goodbye.